one. Okay, folks, jam-packed show today, abbreviated. We're going to go right to it. S&Ps are just traded down two and a half handles at 47.94 and a quarter. Let's bring in Triple D and Money Mitch here. Dennis, we're down, but we're not out. Nike getting stomped. What is going on out there? We're not down, Joel. We're basically flat. I mean, this is unbelievable. This market resilience is nothing short of absolutely incredible. We get the FedEx earnings a couple of days ago. Um, the disaster of the report, obviously, and this, you know, obviously a lot of stocks, you know, like just ignore it. We don't care. Well, last night we get an epic disaster in Nike. We have like retail apocalypse here because we have retailers down all over the place. You know, Nike down 12%, just a huge move down. But, you know, Lululemon and Sympathy Play, it's down 2%. Under Armour down 5.9%. I mean, we're going to get to these earnings in a second here, but I just want to talk about this overall resilience in the market because you have retailers down everywhere here. And the IWM is up. It just doesn't care. Um, you have S&Ps trying and now going green here. So, I mean, it just does not care. You have China getting imploded overnight. The S&P just does not care. It's the same story, it seems like, all the time. The market just rotates into something else to pick up the slack. So, if you're sitting here and waiting for your big bearish headline to drive you down, it seems like there's going to be nothing that derails Santa Claus from coming to town. Well, if you were playing the the Santa Claus rally, especially maybe playing it to the Santa Claus rally on the retail trade, I'm wondering if this was more buy the rumor, sell the news as we finally get an earnings report here. Nike Q2 EPS, $1.3 beats the 85 cent estimate. Sales of $13.39 billion missed the $13.43 billion estimate. They did report fiscal quarter three revenue to be slightly negative. And for fiscal quarter four, reporting revenues to be up low single digits, which were both below the consensus, of course. They also did mention, though, a plan to cut $2 billion in cost over the next three years. I thought that was a good mention. But, of course, the focus here on the revenues being slightly negative for Q3. Um. Yeah, and I, I think they also had some guidance into in next year as well, obviously, yeah. like a full year. Um, either way, when it's down $15 and not even getting a sniff of a bit, you'd think it put some pressure on some other stocks. And it did put pressure on retail stocks. But you'd think it would spill over and people would be like, oh, maybe, you know, you got FedEx and now Nike's not that great. Maybe the soft landing isn't happening here. This market cares nothing. Nothing. It'll punish the individual stock. FedEx gets no bounce whatsoever. Nike has had no bounce whatsoever. It continues mm-hmm. to go straight down here. But they're like, nope, FedEx's problem, Nike's problem, buy stocks. I mean, it's frustrating to just watch. Um, again, you know, if you're bullish, you're just all in. And you're like, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, rainbows and teddy bears and everything good. But when's the market actually wake up? Like, when do we wake up and say, like, we actually care about fundamentals again. I mean, and, and the China story here, let's just go to the China story here for a second because we're going to get Tim, Tim Seymour on earlier. He's coming on at 8.10. I want his thoughts here as well. But China's getting whacked here again too. I mean, how many, FXI, this is making a new, this is starting to approach the October lows from 2022. I mean, it is making a new 52-week low here right now as we speak. 
So you just have a completely different story over there. So FXI going down, Baba, we know can never, you know, get anything going here. We know the only stock that's got anything going is PDD. I mean, there's just a lot of stocks that have just been, you know, really beat up here, uh, obviously. And market just like, like just the FedEx and Nike to just knock that, knock the market down at all. Just makes me just think there's nothing going to knock this market down. Uh, real quick on the Nike, uh, you got a little bit of a bit. I mean, you're off the pre-market low of 106.60. Give it back. All these gains. Top right chart. You're right back here. Um, if you want to be a buyer today, let's see this 104 and a half to 105 area. It's kind of where you broke out from and retested. So, you know, if you're looking at it short term, that's a big level. Uh, I should not be keeping an eye on Nike. I'm not even going to talk about the top of yesterday's range. Uh, Deckers is getting hit on this finally down 24 bucks. Foot Locker, that had a big rally too. The only thing you know, with Nike is look at the expectations. Like look at that chart from the, since the October earnings. I mean, that's just one heck of a move. They had to blow it away. They didn't blow it away and they and they uh, lowered guidance. So uh, Nike getting stomped on here today. S&Ps are flat. And uh, as Dennis was mentioned, there's a, there's a bidder out there. The, the bidder is Santa Claus. Santa Claus is holding up this market here. We officially, I believe, start the Santa Claus rally here today. Yes. This is official here now. So the seasonality it's trumps all, I guess. So we don't care that China's making new 52-week lows. We don't care that Nike's getting slaughtered. We just care that Santa Claus is coming to town and there's no stopping it. So if I'm looking at my screen, everything that really didn't report, get out of retailers. You can't talk retailers because they're all getting hammered. Can't talk China stocks because they're all getting hammered, but they're going to buy something. They're buying oil stocks. Just looking Achi. through, they are buying. Um, a, they're not buying. Like It's a little bit of mixed bag. I would say it's half green, half red, which is why the S&P is flat because it's half green, half red. But I just look here and think like, I can't understand how we just don't, you know, we get that 1% down day and then yesterday they just buy it back in the afternoon. And I just can't understand the resilience you just got to stop thinking logically about this market and just trade what's in front of you this market just wants to go higher i mean we're going to get pce what happens you know in, th in in 24 minutes with the pc if it's a little bit hot they probably just say ah it doesn't matter if it's a little bit not they're going to rally the hell out of it so so hard on the bears man it is and i mean uh it's kind of hard to even change right i mean every single time you've changed tunes or anybody at least that i've seen change tunes it just seems like you you just get run over right now um being a bear easy way to get run over right now so um i know that there's a it's even been an easy someone... way all year mitch yeah. i mean bears have well, been I mean, not, this I, year. I wouldn't say overall i mean it depends on on your timing right um, I think now would not be the right timing, right? Because there, there was some declines, right? We did go to, to a couple corrections. Um, if you're shorting, then you probably did fine. Um, but overall, yes, definitely. The bears have been getting stuffed. And now, does this leave room for the Santa Claus rally to really get us to all-time highs? What do you guys think? I mean, I mean probably. We're I mean, right there. You've done it in the, in the queues, right? Yeah, um, I'm, look, I'm the, looking spy, and I'm like, man. Have we had a queue? I don't think we have on the queues. We had all-time highs. We had 52-week high. Did we? Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a little one up there. Four yeah. eight, oh, no, we did. No, we did. Four, yeah, I think we hit. Yeah, yeah we did. highs in the queues. Yeah. 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 Stop, um, stop. S&P Cash, just to keep you um, 
we did have a high. I got to go to the cash because of the way things change with interest rates and uh, the premiums. Forty eight sixteen sixty two, and where so far we have gotten to forty seven seventy eight. So pretty darn close there. Bristol Myers in the news today. Ooh. Let's talk about Bristol Myers acquiring its acquisition of Caruna Therapeutics for $14 billion. This move grants, of course, access to a potential breakthrough schizophrenia drug. Of course, this is going to also aid the company in addressing a patent expiration that's coming into play. This is for $330 per share in cash. KRTX investors are definitely... Uh, with a little bit of a smile on today, Christmas nice present. premium. This yeah. is the present right here. <laughs> yeah, it's a big forty-eight uh, percent here. What a premium they do pay for these small biotech companies, and we've seen a few of these. We've been talking about the XBI and just the diamonds in the rough. I mean, that's where we're really at. Is just this market here um, has been, you know, looking into smaller, obviously biotech companies, and a few of them have been getting bought. It's why the XBI has really started to lift. It's really lifted with rates. I mean, rates have come down. That's really helped it. But what else has helped is we've had a few little deals. So finding those diamonds in the rough. And congratulations to KRTX shareholders here. They're having their payday today. Yeah, a little bit of a pre, uh, a little discount to the actual cash, but I mean, you know, time value of money playing in. If you if you want to cash out early, you can. If you want to hold, doesn't look like it. Uh, uh, um, you know, I don't know about the antitrust. It seems like the patent thing you mentioned, but that's not, uh, seems like they're avoiding the patent. 322.30, of course, is the pre-market high. And then 330. What's the deal supposed to close, Mitch? Did uh, Does it say? I, I'll look that up right now. Okay, I don't have it. You, you don't see the present? You don't see the present on the screen? Let's see. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice, it's a present, nice. baby. There you go. You guys nice, got funny, it there. <laughs> I like it with your graphics. Yeah. Hey, where's your elf, Dennis? You get rid of your elf? Yeah, what happened to the elf? He moves around every night. You don't know how flies, the elf on man. the elf works. to another spot every okay. night. It just magically <laughs> shows up somewhere. Can we grab? Is Tim Seymour kicking around here? Almost, almost. It, it, um, Crystal Myers getting a bounce here way off the pre-market low. So they, they, you know, they got the 48 49.60 on light volume, getting a nice bounce here to fill the gap from bottom of yesterday's rate. I mean, you're right. You're opening right into yesterday's lows. So if they think this is the greatest deal ever, they'll pick it up here, get it bid at 50, 80, 14 billion. I mean, it's a chunk of change, but Bristol Myers is a pretty big company, right, Dennis? It's a it's a small deal for them, but it is still yeah. a chunk of change. So Bristol Myers is getting hit. I'm still long Bristol Myers in my long term portfolio here. I just feel like it's value down here. I feel like if we're really going and we're buying and not worrying about interest rates nearly as much here, I feel like there's value with Bristol Myers. I feel like there's value with Pfizer too. I feel like there's value in some of these stocks, and I feel like these stocks could actually like pharma stocks. You know, we haven't talked not Eli Lilly because Eli Lilly has just exploded. This market just gravitates to a story. Mitch, you know it better than anyone. Yeah. This market gravitates to a story. And if you don't have a story, they don't give a shit about you. That's really what it is. This market is all about a story. We've got the weight loss story going on with Lilly and obviously mm -hmm. NVO and those stocks and have just, you know, exploded to, you know, well, Lilly especially exploded to, you know, crazy multiples on yeah. stories. The AI story driving the bus all year for so many stocks. You don't have a story, you don't get bought.
that's it. This market is just all about a story. Maybe it was GameStop that started it all, that we were just story traders. A hot story is where the money goes to, and fundies are just forgotten. I agree. And I think that one thing that we always need to keep in mind is that when story starts to run a stock, sometimes the fundamentals and technicals just go out the window for a little bit of time and they do come back into play, right? We start talking about multiples, expansion and things like that. But always got to remember when stocks are hot and they're riding on story, they can just keep running. So that's one thing that I've learned to not get in front of um, because that's an easy way to get wrecked. All right, let's get take a look. Of course, I think we have our guests now. So let's go ahead. Let's get to our guest team. We're, we're going to keep it going today. Fast action pack. Let's bring in Tim Seymour. Tim Seymour, CIO of Seymour Asset Management, joining us here on Pre-Market Prep. Tim, how you doing? How, how's the year been treating you? The year's been treating me great. It's it's been uh, it's been a year of picking stocks. It's been a year, obviously, of uh, you know the the sentiment typically being uh, pushing in one direction, and that's led to major counter trend rallies. Um, I'm a, I think you guys know this over the years. I'm kind of a long cycle investor, at least with some of the things that in my international world. And uh, there's some really interesting long term trends that I think. You know, have been continuing to play out. Whether it's the dollar, you know, we talk about rates all the time. Uh, the move higher in rates is is not just, and then the move lower, of course. But you know, I still think we're in a move higher from 2015 on rates. That uh, I still think, at least, still needs to be proven that it's not still going higher. Um, the move in, you know, in gold, the the 20 year gold chart is one of the best charts out there. So there's there's a lot to talk about. It's been a great year. Uh, most importantly. Uh, friends and family, a lot of good health, and uh, the Rangers have come out of the gates as the best team <laughs> yeah. in the National Hockey League. The best team in the National Hockey League. Let's just call it what Oilers, it is. Rangers, Oilers, Rangers, Rangers tonight. We got a huge <laughs> game tonight here. Oilers versus Rangers. What's going to happen there? I, I, um, think, I think the Oilers goaltending will implode for them, though, so you'll probably be fine as long as you get 20 shots on net against Edmonton. But well, um, is, is Cam Talbot still in the, in the nuts for them? Is Wouldn't there, it be nice there? for Edmonton to have Cam Talbot because he is, like, leading L.A. Kings out there. But, uh, Cam um, Talbot show in L.A. <laughs> no, Edmonton has garbage in net. Just garbage in net. That's what's going right, here. There's, there's four or five Rangers backups that are, including Georgiev in Colorado and, and Anta in, in Carolina. I mean, like – you put in a little time as as a Rangers uh, apprentice backstop, and it seems to lead to stardom somewhere else. <laughs> it does, <laughs> isn't that the truth? They're like the anyway, farm system, the um, farm system for the rest of the league. You you guys stole one from the wings a couple weeks ago. Um, some bad calls. You stole a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't know what's going on with Patrick Kane there, but I want to ask you something here. Right. Okay, so the the conventional wisdom this year was supposed to be don't fight the Fed. Right, because right. rates are going up, and you should have alternatives to the market, right? And that happened till October, and then you all know what happened in November and December. It could be a flip of the switch here next year with rates going down that the market goes down with it. Is there any chance of that happening, or is it just good when rates go up and good when rates go down? No, it's it's look, obviously, um, 
higher rates were bad, so lower rates seem better is, is of course, what we've been doing since rates peaked uh, in the end of October. Um, market, we all know what these numbers are. So, you know, it's 20% on the Qs. Um, it's 16% on the spies, more or less. It's in a stratosphere on semis, um, all making relative new highs. Um, there's different pieces of, of this analysis, but you're asking me about rates. We all know that lower rates ultimately are not what we want. Um, and, and we're talking about, you know, whatever, whatever that line in the sand is, it's probably 350 on the 10 year where people start to get really upset. Um, and, and it is emblematic of, uh, you know, at least the, the economic conditions. Um, it, it, everybody's got their history books out. Everybody knows uh, when the Fed starts cutting, it's, it's uh, you know, there's, pick your timing on that. Um, it's not good news for equities. Um, and they're, they're, they're cutting for a reason, typically. So, um, look, I, 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 I'm not sure we're going to move a whole lot lower on rates. I'm not sure we're supposed to move a whole lot. Okay. Lower. And that's based upon the economic fundamentals we have right now. Um, I, I like. I think the labor market's going to continue to deteriorate. Um, that's what the Fed wants. Um, I think discretionary spend is going to start to pull in. I think this the sequencing of all of the post-COVID uh, economic realities have been much slower to play out. And and so, um, but but from a market's perspective, and this is what you guys do every morning. It's the market you have, and the market we have right now um, tells me that I still think that there's. Uh, you know, a fair amount of cash on the sidelines. I think there's, I don't even think we've really seen a blow off top. I know this is crazy, um, but but I, I think we're going to go higher. Um, but I think it's, it's you know, I think you do need to be dancing by the door in a handful of trades. I think there's some great setups for next year. We all know there's parts of the real economy that, that have uh, really underperformed and have underperformed this move. Um, so I think there's, there's different places to be looking that I think, especially for a lot of your audience, uh, whether it's an advisory community, self-directed investors, people that are looking longer term, like there's people who love to trade the market every day, uh, pick whatever part of, of, of your portfolio and of your net worth you want to do that with. But um, if you're investing and allocating over the long term, there's there's some really interesting stuff to do with the market that we have right now. And, and uh, so, it, it's been it's they're always wild years. Um, this one seems uh, like it really has been a little crazier. I'm looking up at my screens and um, again, I mean, I, you know, I think this 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 breakout in gold should be telling you something. And I think it should be telling you trends that, that have been, you know, we, we started talking about why central banks were buying gold and why people are buying Bitcoin. Um, we could have had this conversation five to 10 years ago. Um, we all know the U.S. doesn't res lose reserve currency status overnight, but we also know that some of these trends and the foundations for change are, are well in place and they're not going to change. Um, and, and so anyway, um, I, I, I think the move lower in rates is, you know, 385 tenure right now is, is probably a place that feels like a sweet spot. Um, I think the, uh, the dynamics for the housing market, I don't think get a whole lot better. Um, the, uh, the financial conditions out there have gotten a lot looser and that's not going to help the Fed's job. I think we, you know, I think we have a lot of, uh, there are, there are structural elements of inflation here that aren't going to get a lot better. And in fact, probably hold here, maybe get a little worse. If the Fed wants to hold the line at 2%, um, then I don't think we're going to get there. What about China? And I mean, overnight, we get hit here again. I know Tencent was getting whacked here overnight on more gaming, online gaming restrictions here. I mean, regulation is just 
been an issue for China stocks for a very long time. But, you know, just quietly, the FXI is trying to make a new 52-week low here. I mean, yeah. it is the complete opposite of what we have over here in North America. I mean, other, you know, emerging markets have done fairly well, but China just cannot catch a bit. PDD has been okay, but all the other ones like Alibaba, you know, and you can just go through the list, JD, Baidu, they're all just hanging out not that far from 52-week lows. It's been a really tough trade. Is there a catch-up trade for China in 2024? Well, there's there's certainly a again a counter trend uh, dynamic here. There's there's sentiment on China is as low as I've seen it, and I think you, you guys know and your audience knows that uh, for some may or may not know. I, I've spent a lot of my career investing internationally, and and um, I think the setup in China is is not great, uh, but I think sentiment is is worse than I've ever seen it. Um, but but look, the, 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 think about Tencent and think about Alibaba and think about the, the pressure that's coming from within, not coming from uh, U.S. investors. And, and this is part of the problem. It, it, you know, we've had these moments where we thought, OK, um, Jack Ma uh, has been, you know, returned from his weekend at Bernie's. Um, Joe Tsai <laughs> um, is a really credible guy and a guy I think Western investors know and can get comfortable with. And, you know, he's he's kind of put into a, a chairman's role that looks like, OK, you know, they pissed the ring. It's time to move on. They're going to spin off assets. Some of the parts make a lot of sense. Look, I, I own Alibaba and, and, and I've traded it, but I haven't traded it as well as I should have, which means you trade every 30 percent rally, of which you've had five in the last, you know, in the last 18 months or so. It seems maybe it's two and a half years. Um, but but right now uh, it's it's hard to truly believe that especially after they they've called off a couple of the you know the the IPO and the, the couple of the spinoffs that were part of this catalyst. Um, but I, I I think the, the the good thing for markets here is that we do live in a world where China GDP of eight to twelve percent is is not what the world needs, and China's GDP was driving our market at one point. Um, I do think you're you're uh, uh, in a place where China is is also making changes in terms of how they approach uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy. Um, I do like emerging markets um, and and I do like international. So let's be clear. Um, I think right. if you if you look at what's been going on in Brazil and Mexico, those are the two biggest economies in Latin America. Um, and and at least in, in terms of both some of the. Uh, the political changes, some of the, the dynamics, I think, on where the central banks have already made fiscal adjustments. Um, I think the real is cheap. Um, typically, when you're investing in emerging, the currency can be 50 percent of your return profile. Um, you know, that that dollar chart, uh, that Dixie, uh, you had a double top, you know, kind of uh, going into this year, which have now led to I mean, people are not. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe you guys are talking about it, but but uh, people are not talking. They should be talking just as much about uh, the move in the dollar, which is five and a half percent in 32 sessions, as they yeah. should be talking about um, rates. Um, okay. I mean, they, they they are they are extraordinary. So the setup for international and also multinationals um, is fascinating. Uh, you know, I think you guys know I'm a research advisor on an ETF called IDVO. Um, IDVO is the ticker, and and it it's seeking to find companies that are increasing their payout levels, um, dividend yeah. yields covered call strategy, active strategy, um, and, and something that has outperformed the equal weighted S&P from its inception. And, and, and like you know, it. when I think about international, I think about these great big multinationals that a lot of people either just haven't invested in, um, don't know a lot about, but we're not necessarily, you're not reaching deep into China to 
take risk. You don't have to invest in China internationally to make money. Um, and so, you know, whether it's a, a, a Tokyo Mitsubishi Bank, you know, the JP Morgan of Japan, um, which trades at, you know, 0.8 price to book, which is, you know, not cheap relative to itself. Although, um, again, this is a company that's growing its payout levels. We all know that that the end of YCC in Japan will be good for the banks. It'll be great for the banks. Um, but there's also a lot of pressure on payout levels there from the TF, from the, the excuse me from the Tokyo Stock Exchange uh, and where they've actually forced this governance dynamic. Um, so companies are, are are I think more aligned with investors. Let the breakout in the DAX to all-time highs before the U.S. hits all-time highs. Why is that? Um, it's not that I think the macro backdrop in Europe is that extraordinary. In fact, I think they probably have more headwinds than we do. But um, I do look at the pressure that's been on a lot of their kind of old economy stocks and the industrial side of it. And I say you, you've, 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 you've actually relieved a lot of that pressure. I think the inflation trends there obviously have changed, uh, especially around the energy sector. I think AI and some of the, uh, the technology pixie dust that, that has been driving our markets and our tech sector but, but really, if you think about it, a lot of these companies are going to benefit more from AI than, you know, without the exception of the chip uh, producers in AI, NVIDIA and co. I mean, this is really where you're going to see the productivity gains and the profitability gains, probably. Um, and, and why it makes some sense to me that some of these stocks are really rallying. Um, look at the move in Siemens. I mean, this is, you know, it's 10 percent of the DAX almost. And, and I think you've got uh, some interesting stuff to talk about. So. All right. You asked about China. I gave you my quick sketch on the world. I mean, I think it's, <laughs> it's, uh, the, the, there's, it's interesting times here, even though most investors that are listening to you guys are saying, ah, you know, why do I need to invest internationally when I've got great opportunities don't, here? Don't worry always... about internationally. I got an interesting question right here, Tim. Of course, in late August, we got the Department of Health and Human Services recommending to reschedule marijuana from schedule one to schedule three substance. Of course, all eyes are on this situation because this could lead to massive investments in the cannabis space. What are you thinking and any thoughts on when this could possibly happen, Tim? Well, Mitch, um, those of us that have been uh, following the, the macro and cannabis for eight years or so or more know that you know, a headline is 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 not a legislative follow through, and mm -hmm. uh, and in the case of in the case of rescheduling cannabis to Schedule Three, and to be clear, there you know if you get a Schedule Two, it's not going to be as attractive um, for for at least the multiples of the companies. But but uh, uh, and 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 look, the what what at least has been proposed in the letters we've seen, even if there's a lot of redacted text to what was really sent, which is also kind of absurd. Uh, mm -hmm. People that are following cannabis know this. I mean, we've been all spending times looking at, at like our microscopes and our computers and seeing where we can see, did they cross out that word? Because we're seeing a redacted letter now that was part of that original um, HHS uh, to DEA uh, recommendation from FDA. But this, this is an administrative act seemingly, right? So um, to to some extent, it's it doesn't have to fall into the black box of Congress right now. It might, um, and and I still think that there's a lot of reasons for progress here. I still think that um, if we can avoid you know the teeth of the political cycle that's coming up and get something done here, um, then then it is in the hands of this administration. And this administration has been very inconsistent on cannabis policy, um, and and yet um, that announcement in August. August 29th, 28th of this summer um, was really follow through from the previous 
uh, momentum of late October of 22, when the Biden administration really did start talking about all of this and said that they were going to have HHS um, do some research, bring the FDA in and, and recommend what, what to do with cannabis. So um, look, I, 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 I believe cannabis should be Schedule 3. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's uh, obviously it, there's so much inconsistency uh, in, in how we socially and, and from even the, the pharmacological, the efficacy dynamics of cannabis, um, there's no question that this has medicinal value to me. There's no question um, this is uh, so much different in terms of can people have behavioral issues with, with anything in life? I mean, you know, I need to have my Starbucks every morning. It probably at its worst means, you know, I get worked up when my kids change the channel on me when I'm watching the Ranger game more than I should. I've got my, my caffeine <laughs> nourished. But, yep. but the reality is, um, you know, and so in leaving that aside, what you saw in third quarter numbers for the cannabis sector is that the biggest companies um, have spent the last two years both with a Fed uh, that's and so so with cost of capital getting worse, with less capital coming in, with greater risk dynamics going on for global markets. These companies who have not been able to raise new capital have been become you know much better operators. Um, so the most important things for cannabis um, in in this order, I think, in the next three months to six months. Are no question some some kind of um, follow through from the DEA. Uh, there's people that have looked at recommendations from HHS to DEA, and Mitch, maybe you're following this. Maybe you know all you guys are following this. I mean, there's a timeline that people have looked at in the past, and they said it's 110 days. Um, so we're now at. Hey, Tim, Tim, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. We got the yeah. PCE number coming up. Do you want to stay on with us? Yeah, do you want to do it? I get a little excited, so you better like move your coffee because it. I get it. Then Dennis goes <laughs> in the background. Dennis is going wide. We're trading near the highs of the session. Ninety nine fifty is your high. Nothing in there, folks. Old time close or not closing high for the move is twenty fifty. Okay. Or geared for this PCE number. The people with the super fast internet are already getting the numbers. No algo, a little bit of algo jump in here. We did make a new high. Market is waiting for. How is inflation? How are wages? We are moments away here. I got 8.30 and 25 seconds here. What's going on, Mitch? You seen anything out there? Not just yet. Of course, I'm looking at year over year to come in at 3.4, core to come in at 3.4, overall at 2.8. Let's see how it comes in here. Um, there you go. We're starting to get them now. Um, I got some durables coming in. Looking still for PCE. Just give me a second here. I should have it any moment. Market, I mean, we're chopping right around unchanged here. The bulls try to get it into 4,800 handled. The bears have not really made an um, inline number. I mean, I'm just looking because the market's in line here. I, that's what I would have to guess. But uh, here we go. A little move down. Maybe it's a little bit hot. Maybe uh, Jerome had these numbers. Let's see. <laughs> November core PCE prices survey says. Doop, doop. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Wow. This is like 831 in 30 seconds. What's going on here? Maybe the government. There we go. There month over a month, of course, is 0.1 versus a 0.2 estimate prior being 0.2. So slightly down there on core PCE uh, month over month. Looking for the year over year. I'll give you guys that. That's at 2.6 versus a 2.8 estimate. Thank you, Tim. 
Um, and then personal spending coming in at 0.2 versus a 0.2 estimate prior 0.2. So pretty much in line here, a little bit down, actually, a little bit light. And I think uh, Jerome might have been seeing this beforehand. Uh, if we look at core PCE year over year at 3.2 versus a 3.3 estimate prior being 3.5. So continuing the trend of inflation coming down. Tim, let's get your take. Well, look, I, I, I was the guy that uh, on Tuesday night uh, or, or you know, the, on the 12th of November, the night before the CPI number that, that moved the markets, said I thought we'd kind of done all we could do in terms of market lifting on, on better inflation numbers. And, and I, I could have been wrong, more wrong about that. So um, the fact that these inflation trends continue is great news. Like It's great news for the mm -hmm. market. Um, uh, this durables number is also really noisy because the headline came in well above uh, the the poll. But if you strip out, you know, transport and and uh, some defense stuff, it's it's a pretty you know it's a it's a it's a it, it's not a number that's you know going to tell you there's a lot more strength in there. It's it's kind of in line. Um, so I, I think the markets are going to continue to try to bid down rates. Um, I don't think we have 150 basis points of cuts next year, but let's let's watch Fed fund futures here too because you know, okay. they're pricing all kinds of fun stuff in. Okay, great analysis, Tim. Uh, market take a little bit of a hit. We're just down uh, just about five handles here, so a little action both sides. We'll just keep an eye on unchanged uh tim seymour has been on with us he's the cio of seymour asset management you guys all know how to find him on uh twitter at tim seymour great having you on thanks for staying on the number thanks, have man. great holidays and we'll we'll dial you up in 2024 thank you tim seymour thanks joel mitch double d speak to you soon happy holidays everybody see you guys all right. Thank you, Tim. Like always, uh, let's take a look. How'd the action go in the market there? Uh, not much, right? Um, what do you guys think? I did buy the dip because why not? That's what you do. <laughs> why not? Why not? So I bought some IWM at 44. I bought a couple things down there. I mean, why not? That's what you do. In bull markets, you just buy the dip blindly. I was looking. I was like, in line number. I guess I just buy the dip blindly. Buy the dip, win money. That's how it goes. Hey, it's, it's working, right? Nauseating, but it works. Yeah. It'll give you a nosebleed, but you got you got to keep doing it, right? And just plug it up and keep going, man. Stop crying about it. They'll, they'll <laughs> buy this market back because what we're in an inline number here. This is not going to derail the bear thesis. You needed something like for the bears, they needed to see like, ooh, that's a hot number. Yeah, you know, spike. Ooh, that maybe makes Powell think a little bit more. There's no thinking off this number. So this number is not going to be the number that derails the bull thesis and, and derails Th Santa Claus from coming to town here. So I think Santa Claus is still coming. You know, I thought Nike would put a little dent in the party or something, you know, maybe throw a little bit of coal in the sleigh. No, it didn't. Nike didn't throw any coal in the sleigh. It just continues on its merry way. All right, team, right, we're going to we're gonna start wrapping up the show right now, guys, yep. and bring you guys over to my video that I've been working on hard, guys. I interviewed eight experts for you guys to get the outlook of 2024. That's coming on next, so don't go anywhere. Of course, you guys can keep up with everything. Uh, Joel Alconin, will you have a closing print today, Joel? Uh, yep, yep, pre-market yep, pre prep plus and uh, closing print today. So uh, everyone uh, tune in. And uh, Dennis, you said you were having a bad day, but I didn't think you were going to lose a D there. 
Uh, he always calls me Double D. <laughs> yeah, Double D. <laughs> he's always okay. called me Double D. I mean, you like Dennis Dick. It's like that. Boom. So he's always called me Double D. I know yeah, I lost Dale's your middle football. name. That's why you do it. I'm going to sign out here. Uh, I'm just going to say unchanged. I mean, we had the little dip. We didn't take out the pre-market low. Let's see if the, the Bulls can establish that bid above that closing price from yesterday at 96.75. So, folks, so Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll be back with you guys on Tuesday. All right, just to give you a preview of what's coming on next, you guys got Ryan Dietrich, Cameron Dawson, Jay Woods, Todd Gordon. Sam Stavall, Mike Lee strategy, of course. We also got awesome. hedge fund tips. Check it out, Dennis. It's going to be a pretty good one. This is going to go all the way until 11, and then we'll do a live trading stream. So check it out, team. Get your outlook on 2024. And for everybody, this is my present to you guys out there. So take care, and I'll see you guys on Tuesday. Smash the like. Enjoy the holidays, team. And Santa's coming to town, team. Starting up next. Next.